0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be picking the bones out of potentially the best Champions Cup final ever, as well as looking ahead to the URC final, the Premiership final and the Barbars against the World 15 at Twickenham. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Newcastle, England, and now Barbarian's winger, Adam Radwan. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian.
1: Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. SSIan.com at Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in
2: every journey. Judy, are you okay? So, you know, we talk about Hong Kong and Jim uses the expression, it's where heaven and hell collide. Dublin, and what I did over the weekend in terms of the amount of alcoholic beverages that slipped down my throat, it was heaven and hell. Only hell on the plane when I got back to reality, but it was heaven, basically. It was, I don't want to sound like one of those people that go, I had the best time ever. I literally had the best rugby weekend since I've retired of my life
3: all right all right well hang on i'm gonna put in here because we're not even gonna ask about my weekend it's like a stag do that i've missed out on it was work james andrew we spoke earlier now i have now consumed a bit of the information you gave me and it's like a stag do where your missus says you can't go you've got young kids you've lived your life and that was that was me that was me i'm living my life through you like you are speaking to me before i said look i don't want to talk anymore about the last few days you've had because we need to save this for the pod because it sounds like the best stag do. I mean, work <laughs> weekend away yeah. ever. It was. I'm very jealous. Yeah, I missed you. Yeah, okay, right. Well, I could have I done with a couple too, at but... some
2: point from you, James.
3: Yeah, but that's not about missing someone, is it? Like that's, you missing
2: my... I missed your presence. Everyone was asking after you. All
3: right, well, that's all well and good. It's like, well, <laughs> where was I?
2: No, it was amazing. Starting Friday, flew out from Heathrow to Dublin... Thirsty? Very. Had a couple at the oh airport. Oh God, I know what that looks like. Yeah, right, yeah. I was Honestly, it was like the last hurrah of the season. But then I've realised I've got a couple more hurrahs left this season as well. Damn. Had you put the vape to the mouth before that point or not? I don't think it left my lips yet. The only time it left the lips was on the plane, I think. I'm coming in hard, <laughs> yeah. hard, hard. And then it just went to the game at the Aviva. And obviously, you know, we're talking about the big game being Saturday. But the Friday night game, I was... Really excited about. Just it's a Friday night in Dublin first and foremost, <laughs> and then you look at the game and you, you're building up the story around it, and it's just all about Sergio, would not it? In terms of his last game, the emotion building up to it. You, you know, you're going up to the DHL box, they're giving you beers. Then you go to the Qatar Airways box, they're not giving you beers. So I went straight back to the DHL box for lots of beers, lots of Heineken, and it was it was an amazing Friday night. I mean, some of the names that I'm drinking with. was with, with some. Come on. The legend Sergio Parise.
3: Yes, he is VIP legend.
2: Then you were the referee. So Andrew Brace. I've got to say, Brace is a mate of mine, as we know. Now made two other refereeing friends. Ben Whitehouse, who will no longer be called Ben Shitehouse. Ben Shitehouse. That. No. That's, that's, no. How, how have you become mates with him after calling him Ben Shitehouse? No, I've never years. called him that. Never called him that. And I said to him, he, he said, oh, I'm called Ben Shitehouse. I'm like, no, I've never called you that. He goes, no, you haven't actually. So Ben Whitehouse, he can chop a pint responsibly. Came up to me, offered me out, didn't he? Not offered me out in terms of let's have a fight. Offered me out, he goes, goody boy, you can drink a bit, can't you? I said, yeah, I can. He goes, you can drink fast, can't you, but? I'm like, yeah, I can. He goes, fancy a down off? no problem. So uh, there we go. And I beat him by, uh, it was about half a millisecond. It was very close. Oh, really? Yeah, he is good. So So estimations, Ben Whitehouse has gone right to the top. In terms of reference. from shit like, house to just house to the big house, the powerhouse. <laughs> he's the big house, the power. Yeah, but, and and then we're like, he's like, oh, it was a draw, TMO, and then so we watched the video back. Oh, banter. Hang on. hang on, we thought we'd he's, do another one. So we hang thought on. we'd do Wait another one.
3: Hang on, just rewind, Andrew. So what? Don't tell me banter has thrown out TMO, and then you've gone again. <laughs> We've
2: gone again, and then oh, the second God. one I absolutely schooled him in the second one. So um, great lad though, but also. Another one, the Welsh boys. I love the Welsh boys. We love the Welsh boys, don't we, Jim? Oh, I like. Well, I love Welsh people and the boys, yeah. And especially when they get a bit of a drink in them. So Andy Brace and Wayne Barnes have come out still in their suit and shirts that they were wearing, ties off, obviously. But the Welsh boys, no, no. They've gone home to put the glad rags on. Incognito. There's Ben Whitehouse in like a pink and white striped shirt. He's like trying to look cool. And his mate, who's also a top, top lad, Craig Evans, the referee, Aka, but you were calling Dan. You were calling him Dan. Aka, Turkey Teeth. You, he's had his teeth done. The boys are absolutely burying him about his they teeth. They look good to be fair. He has got some White. Mass, Well, the whitest thing. It was like a scene from Friends, right? You know the the Ross scene when he has his teeth whitened, but they're extra large teeth as well. And he won't mind me saying this. He's like, don't say it on the podcast now, Bart. He's like, the thing is, I've got massive teeth, but you've got a massive belly butt. And I'm like, you're true, very true. So I kept calling him turkey teeth. He goes, they're not turkey teeth, they're Cardiff teeth butts. So he's, he had his teeth done in Cardiff. The biggest things you've ever seen in your life. The whitest things you've ever seen in your life, but he's a great lad with it. So a lot of banter with those boys.
3: Who was the ref that you fell out with though? Hang on. So one weren't happy. That's not Friday night. Oh, that's not Friday. Okay, so Friday
2: was all our energy. So thirsty... All out energy until having a bit of a chat with Wayne Barnes. Barnes, he ain't happy either. He was like, no, you called out, you went too hard on Carl Dixon. I said, I was just honest in my opinion. And so, there's a bit of a debate there, but I said, he did not hear what I said about you? He goes, I don't care what you say about me.
3: He's too good now, as in he's at the point now where everyone says that about him. So
2: what was it like? Was it, nose to nose no it was just a bit of friendly banter and then I'm like oh he's a bit well, your legs trembling like you were ready to go or not uh, mate when you're you ready when you're ready, you ready Jim aren't you <laughs> always ready <laughs> always ready the vape was out I was ready and then the night kept getting better down Bigger's Mrs. Out she promised us some more cakes also known as Alex Bigger what a woman so we had a load of banter with them enjoying that and I'm like this is unbelievable all the two long boys are in the same bar and I'm thinking now is the time Now is the time to go and find Matthew Bastero, your bastard, And make amends. Let's just make friends. Let's just cuddle. Two big guys at the bar having a drink. And he's generally a good bloke.
3: That's a smart play by you. Because in the back of your mind, Barnes is going nose to nose with you. (laughs) Carl Dixon's (laughs) looking for you in the bar. There'll be a few others as well. Barry McGuigan as well. He's probably come over because he knows that you're over there from listening to the podcast. And then you're thinking, hang on, out of all of these, who do I not want to get? kicking off with at three in the morning it's Shibastero and you've gone and found him early doors you're a smart man Andrew. yeah
2: you just got to make friends and then to be fair just before I'd seen Baster I was having a drink with Nyath Levu the 13 who is a monster and I thought if he kicks off and I'm with him no problem power yeah he could, he could smash someone as he did in the game and then Sergio what a legend Sergio is a load of the Toulon boys were good fun and as you know Jim we've said a few things about French rugby and Toulon and all that stuff and It's not filtered through. Luckily, I don't think they listen to it. Or or it's not translated. So yeah, I had a great night Friday night. And that was, yeah, the start of the weekend, really. Was anyone asking for me on Friday? Sergio did. Genuinely goes, where is Jim the fucking idiot? Where is Jim? I am VIP. I don't know why we speak like that. He's coaching Toulon next year. Is he? Yeah. I said, come on, mate. I'll give Kieran Crowley a call. He came on our podcast. Don't you worry. We'll get you to that World Cup. Too raw. Too raw at the minute. No, he's all right, but he's having a laugh. I said, oh, he's come on the pod. We can have a chat with him.
3: But Anyway, back to me. He was asking for me. He was was
2: asking for you, yeah. yeah. He said, where is Jim? I said, he has the shits in Edinburgh. He no invite. He (laughs) no invite to this
3: today. Because he won the European Cup and the Champions Cup (laughs) for three at times, but he no invite.
2: So yeah, that was Friday in a nutshell. And then I was up for the Heineken Champions Cup Player of the Year Mm. breakfast. I didn't sit down for breakfast. I couldn't eat at this point. It was a black coffee and water. That's all I could get in me. And so we're chatting myself, just some of the big dogs of world rugby, really. Dimitri Yashvili, Brian Habana, Sarah Hunter. Just chewing the fat about the five-panel shortlist for, and all I'm thinking is I need to go back to bed, lads. Can we? If they win, he wins, and if they win, he wins. And it was like, no, no, let's debate this. And I thought, yeah. Oh, no, that ain't me. I ain't into all that. I was in there for a good hour debating it. And then we had to do a load what, of gen- As in genuine debate or not? Because that, for
3: me, is just like, well, let's just see how it all unfolds and give it to Big Willie Little Willie if he carves it
2: Well, up. no, he, so there was a, a shortlist of five, which was Anton DuPont, who I didn't vote for initially to get to the shortlist, Kayla Mial Doris... Oh, I've seen it, yeah. Gary Ringrose, Gregory Aldrete, and Josh van der Fleer. That was the top five. So we had to debate them all. I could have said in my first sentence, if Leinster win, give it to Kayla Mial Doris... If LaRochelle won't give it to Gregory Aldrete because he is all reet.
0: Then we get to Saturday afternoon.
2: Yep. I'm at the game. I'm doing the box duties again. Fully involving myself with Heineken. And
0: taking the trophy onto the field. How did you get that? Do
2: you know what? The honour of doing that. So they came up to me and they were like, Andy, we want you to take the trophy. I'm like, yeah. Like, where does it need to go? Thinking, because there's a few trophies in the different suites, right? Like replicas or older trophies or whatever. I was like, yeah, where's it need to go to? I can carry it. Where, where do you want it to get? They're like, no, no can you take the trophy from the tunnel and take it and put it out on the field on the plinth? I'm like, you're asking me to do that? they like, yes. EPCR ambassador, of course. Two-time winner of the Heineken Champions Cup. There you go, that was it. And the funny thing is, Rob Carney was with us all weekend. And 98 caps for Ireland, won it four times. He got to do the, uh, the Challenge Cup one the night before. I got the big one. So do you know what? It's the most humbling thing that's happened to me, I think, Since I retired, like the feeling that that gave me was just phenomenal.
3: Did you know you were going to do it or not? Did they mention it before? Did
2: not have a clue. Did not have a clue. Yeah. Love it. It was unbelievable. And then like you're in the tunnel area and I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Like we're in the tunnel, you know, saying hello to a lot of the players, getting high fives off them and, you know, the wink and all that stuff, the nod. I got my pre-match hug this time off Rog. Did you? This is before I've even done the trophy. So Rog there in the round. He's high-fiving all the La Rochelle boys as they came, in. I was just like an excited fan on stood on the right on the pitch. I've done an interview in the stadium to, on, the, on the big screen. I'm like, breathe in, and talk, not possible.
3: One thing is not possible is breathing in and hold, holding a trophy because, goodness me, the udders <laughs> were down. The udders were in your side pockets, weren't they? The screenshot that I put on the group uh, chat, your it, udders are in your pocket. Oh, you in horrible. That's fine.
0: I've just had the best weekend of my life. Did you just say his adders were
3: in his pockets? <laughs> well, specifically his nipples were.
2: Anyway. I saw Rog and he he saw me, our eyes met. And you know, like last year when I said I was there and as the final whistle went, I was three metres away from Rog and we had that hug Mm. at the end of the game. Well, this year it was pre-match as I was right on the field. He came and said hello, high five, hug, man hug. Said to him all the best and he's like, we fucking got this Goody," And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, "I I could play. I could play for that bloke. And you can see, we'll get onto it in a bit, but you can see why and how they do all play for him as a head coach. But And then they said, you know, take the trophy out and all i'm thinking as i pick the trophy up they're like you've got 15 seconds going through the tunnel out to the the plinth where you got to put it on there i tell you now that trophy is fucking heavy big trophy heavy picked it up i'm like oh my god i'd had a couple as well obviously and i'm thinking just don't stack it try and breathe in try and look normal <laughs> don't stack it and make sure it goes on the plinth and you've got 15 seconds and it was about a 20 meter walk i'm like if you do the maths i'm not that quick and the bloke was like, what I want you to do is turn around and show it to the crowd. And I, was like, and I was worried, right, if I lifted it too high, my shirt that was tucked in just might just pop out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I just gave it a little lift either side.
3: Yeah, you, you lifted it to the floor, as in you pointed <laughs> yeah. it on the floor. You're double, double. I did enjoy it. Look, I tell you what, we take the piss out of each other on here. You mainly out of me. I, I'm doing it basically to better you and to make you a better human and give you longevity and double your lifespan. But I was watching that. I was like, that's pretty cool. Where am I? Not that I should have been there because I won Europe three times, but you know what I mean? It was just... Three times now, is it? When was the third time? I was at Leicester. I got a medal. Oh, oh, two. No, I didn't know. That was the EDF, sorry. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. I won two, but no, genuinely, I did enjoy that bit. And we can speed through the Saturday night as well because now I'm very jealous and getting annoyed that I wasn't there for any of it.
2: So we've been drinking Heineken in the stadium, lovely, but the bubbles. So then you get into the into the pubs, and you've got to go Guinness and black. Then haven't you? And the looks I was getting from people ordering Guinness and black current, they just weren't happy with it. But it went down a tree. So loads of beers, and then got on the plane on Sunday. Just went home and told the kids I love them. I really love you girls. Should we, should we watch a movie? Five minutes later. <laughs> Daddy! I'm like, oh, oh. So yeah, we've all been there. The sweats on at the airport on Sunday morning was very interesting. But the most amazing weekend you could ever ask for. So thank you to everyone in Dublin. I loved it. Jim, how was your weekend?
3: Yeah, let's not even talk about it. There's nothing to, nothing to talk about. I live my life through you now. Thank you. Did you watch the game though? Of course you did. Best game you've ever seen? Best final you've ever seen, rather? Most intense. It's hard, isn't it? Because not trying to get too carried away, but it's just happened. So there's a lot to go through and there's a lot to talk about. It was a brilliant game. So it's easy to say the best final. It's one of the best finals I've ever seen. It is. Whether or not it's the best, we'd have to go through the archives, having played in a few as well. And they're generally quite close, aren't they? So it's a difficult one to unpick. I think when time passes, we could potentially say it was the best final we've ever seen, but it's definitely up there. And there's a load of reasons around that. You've got... La Rochelle, the current champions, against Leinster, who were in the final last year. La Rochelle, win it, last play of the game. So all the drama around that. Everyone thinks it's potentially going to be the same final. It's at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin against Leinster, unplayable, apart from the week before against Munster and a little trip down to South Africa, but unplayable. And we spoke about the pressure last week that Leinster would have been under to win this game. And then you speed forward 12 minutes into the game and Leinster are winning 17-0. And you're thinking, oh, my goodness me. I mean, the atmosphere and the energy watching at home and watching on TV was unreal, which we kind of thought that it would be. The French
2: travel well. Being there, it was. It was the most intense atmosphere I've ever seen in the stadium.
3: And this is what I mean, right? I'm going to go back and forward a little bit on this because rugby is in a weird place at the minute. The Champions Cup, some people call it the European Cup, EPCR, Heineken Cup, Champions Cup, whatever it's called, for all the bits and the fractured element to this tournament, and it is at the minute because of... changing though, James. No, no, I'm coming good now. When you actually get to the semis, and it's like any tournament, but the semis and the final, it shows you just how strong and how good it is. And it comes down to two teams, and I'm going to say it, with massive budget, (laughs) getting to the final, star-studded teams, and the quality that we saw out on the pitch. And I say this a lot, the physicality... Oh my good, can you say God, 2023? I'm going to say it. Oh my good God. Absolutely ridiculous. Loved it. Now we can go through the game, I'm sure, but we'll just leave it there. People know what happened. It was on ITV, so free to air. It was also on BT Sport, across other different channels as well, RTE and
2: Ireland. It was shown in 200 countries around the world. Exactly.
3: So you think of the amount of people that have seen that, but a load of people haven't. They'll be listening to this just trying to get what we think about it, and then take that as solid and take that as gold. But 17 nil down after 12 minutes against the champions. You ain't losing that. Leinster ain't losing that game. Until there was
2: a few errors, uncharacteristic errors by Leinster. Two of them, I think, in the first half were huge. And I don't want to be horrible. James Lowe's knock-on, his horrible pass from Jameson Gibson Park, which led to the first try. They'd turned the ball over. And then a few moments later, Sheehan, who was... Ridiculous, ridiculously good. It's loose offload. It Horrible just, it, pass. Yeah. I mean, I get why he's doing it and what he's doing, but it was like I'll just offload it and it doesn't matter. And then that leads to them kicking through and it just led to a bit of pressure. Then, you know, Larochelle ended up running back from the goal line dropout and all this stuff. And it there was just a couple of very uncharacteristic Leinster errors, which you don't normally see from them when Jim says they're unplayable. But that is then a credit to LaRochelle and the pressure that they were putting them under. It's a game of big men, isn't it? And the biggest of the big, Big Willie. I'm not even going to call him Big Willie, Little Willie. I just did. But Big Willie Skelton. Then you've got Winnie Antonio. Then you've got one of my favourite players, I think, to now have ever played the game, Levani Bottia, who looks about 60. He does look old. He probably is only about 25 in his Fijian passport. But my goodness me, he was putting himself about. Suteni. In the centres, Don'ty, unreal, yeah. Sutani, I'm am pl- drinking with his brother on the Friday night, who is four times the size of Weenie Antonio, like, <laughs> but a great bloke, loves the pod. It was monster men. I was stood right by the tunnel as both teams came out, and I'm trying to get a bit of content or you know, just trying to record it, and I'm just looking at the size of them all, like they're they're freak shows, and I mean that in a nice way, and their power just then took over. Leinster flew out the blocks, as Jim said. Played at a pace. And one thing I'm going to say, I had a bit of banter pre-match. Banter hosting a Q&A with Raphael Ibanez, who is now obviously the France team manager, right? Rewind your minds back to 07, Jim. Leicester against Wasps in the final. Mm. Where did Leicester get done by twice?
3: Yeah, at the front of the line-out. Julian White weren't looking. Come on, Whitey. Here we go. Switch on.
2: Julian White wasn't looking at the front of the line-out. 07, two tries. Rafael Ibanez scored one of them. Owen Redden, I think, scored the other. And that was the difference in that final, right? Leo Cullen. Leo Cullen was part of that 07 squad for Leicester. Fast forward 16 years later, and the first try that Leinster score is a very similar kind of carbon copy of what Was did to us. And it was Weenie Antonio at the front of the line out, and they just floated it over him, opened up that gap. They scored the try. So I just wonder, I want to ask Leo, was that because of what happened to us?
3: Oh, definitely was. Definitely. On that start of the game, you know the physicality and the size of them. They went all out, didn't they?
2: You look at the physical... Look at James Ryan. Yeah. The way that he's banging. That's the big turning point as well. James Ryan must definitely listen to the podcast because you said he got bullied a few years ago. He did. He was bullying boys while he was on there. He was smashing boys. And then it was a really innocuous, but it was a knee as he's made a tackle on someone else and someone's running around the corner. And Bugger
3: Eats hit hit him with a knee, I think. Just as in completely accidental. But that was a massive... Massive turning point for Leinster. The momentum was shifting. You've got your captain, future Ireland captain as well. Yeah, that was a a big point as well. And you mentioned a couple of things from James Lowe as well. Kick going out on the full. Yeah. And these are the big moments, but still 17 nil up. How have they lost that? Are Leinster chokers?
2: No, I love my time in Dublin. I want to go back. I don't think they're chokers, right? I mean, the results show that historically, they've won it once now in 11 years, whatever it is. And they're everyone's favourites. And I'm chatting to a load of Leinster fans after the game. And they're like, and I said to them, your biggest strength is your biggest weakness. And they're like, ah, oh, the URC. And who was it last week? Was it Keane Healy said last week they're not even, they weren't bothered about the URC? Yeah. I understand why he's trying to say it. His mindset is evidence about the Heineken Champions Cup final. But their greatest strength is there. And we had Bernard Jackman on here talking about how hard it is to get in. To just train on a Tuesday, so these players aren't being tested necessarily week to week to week because they are so good because they've got so many players. So when you're not tested that much, you get to the nuts and bolts of the competition, and you get to these big moments. They're not chokers, but imagine losing three games all year. That's all you've lost all year, and you've got no trophies. It's choking. Well you've been horrible, Andy? I love everyone in Dublin, and I love yeah, but you're in a
3: different space, Andrew. You have to call it how it is.
2: I was drinking with some of the Leinster boys on Saturday night as well. If
3: you're on one hand, calling out referees last week, he's vulnerable. You don't want to do it, you? You don't want to lose any more mates. Maybe that's why. (laughs) We spoke about last week. What do you do if you're Leinster or you're the powers that be? I don't know who they're accountable. And look, this isn't a case of, oh, you need to get rid of Leo. There needs to be a change of guard or whatever. But it is now a thing. We did say last week, if they lost to La Rochelle, remember, La Rochelle are the champions. They could well have lost. They did lose. But you have to. You have to now start asking questions. That's in the back of the mind. And
2: you know. First and foremost, they've never beaten La Rochelle. There you go. So that's a mental block. La Rochelle and
3: Ireland going to France, if we can get on to that around their mindset, maybe it's a good thing. And many people are saying that it's a good thing for Ireland going forward to the World Cup. But it is now a thing. Yeah. And you've been in teams before. Again, we joke about it. When I was playing for Scotland and we'd go 20 points down, 30 points down, 40, like there's no way back. I remember when I was at Saracens and you'd be in games and even before you put your boots on, you knew you were winning the game. Yeah. You were that confident and arrogant or whatever you want to say, you were that confident. If you're Leinster now going forward and there is a slight change of the guard with Stuart Lancaster moving on, Johnny Sexton's going to retire, we could potentially see a couple of others that potentially don't carry on playing for Leinster. But if you're Leinster now going to a final, let's say there's a repeat next year of the quarters, the semis, or the final, and you're up against La Rochelle. No one else, just La <sighs> Yeah. You
2: know. Oh, it's very tough. I'll go back to my time at Leicester. Wasps were our bogey team in finals. It happens to teams. It really does. And I'm, there's a balance of are they chokers or are they... Chokers is more of a nasty word. Yeah, it's horrible. And I don't think they are necessarily chokers. The tiniest of margins have won these last two finals, the tiniest of margins, right? They were going to score a try at the end or, you know, and the other thing you can say, and I, and I hate being horrible, Ross Byrne was in the same position as Jack Crowley was last week to go for the drop goal. And he saw basically a short side that was under defended. So they went up there and played, and played and played. And I'll say it, had George Henry Colom not stayed down, they ain't checking that because there was loads of clear outs in the game that you, that well, I'm watching it, I'm like, brutal. And if you slowed, I'm sure Leinster fans will come out with it. You slow down other rocks, you'll see similar sort of challenges. But had George Henry Colombe not stayed down, they wouldn't have seen it, they wouldn't have checked it properly. And Leinster were two metres from the line. They could have scored at the death to win it, as La Rochelle did to them last year. Mm-hmm. And at that top level, it is the tiniest of margins between the, the very elite. And they're the very elite, those two. You know, they dispatched Toulouse in the semi and people are like, oh,
3: Toulouse are the best team
2: ever. Well, they're not.
3: Yeah, your money was on them scoring at the end there.
2: Yeah. I'm thinking it from a tens point of view. Ross Byrne, imagine if he'd have gone for the drop goal and got it. Even if he'd have gone for it and missed it, there was still a minute left. So you go again. But if he'd have gone for the drop goal and got it, you'd have been talking about him as now the Leinster player who has got that monkey off their back and the hero and all this stuff. And the frustrating thing, I think, is they didn't try it. You know, I've been there. I had a drop goal to beat Leinster in a group game at the Mighty Rico Arena. Absolutely spanned it, last kick of the game. Spanned it, missed it, it was a draw. But at least you put yourself in a position to go for it. And, I, you know, ultimately, because they didn't go for it, it led to Al-Alatoa's shoulder, which is a, it is a red card, you know, and he gets stretched off. Goody,
0: you mentioned, you touched on the breakdown just before. It's all they're talking about on Twitter.
3: What did you guys... Get rid of the jackal.
2: What did you make of it? Oh, Jim wants to get rid of the jackal. What do you do if you get rid of the jackal, though? Andrew, right. Because we go to Super League, six tackles, and over I, the ball, I, kick it, and off
3: we go. Oh, I love the jackal. Yeah. I love the jackal. I'm looking at the injuries, but also, look, I'm going to call out my mate here, and it's a good thing. Do you remember Howie Khan? Big shout out to Howie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Howie, best mates with John Dobson. Also, he's the, one of the head honchos at... Uh, Adidas South Africa. So give him a big shout out. But he was voice noting me. We were messaging back and forth. And as a casual fan, sorry, Howie, you are, he just said, didn't think the red card was ridiculous, but George Henry Colomb, who got knocked out by Al-Alatoa. Yeah. What was he doing in that breakdown when you think about it? Like he weren't jackling, was he? He was kind of just slowing the ball down. He was over the rook. Now, I'm not saying that what Michael Al Alatoa did was allowed or warranted it wasn't it was a snapshot of what we'd seen the whole game he's just got to put his arm up if he hadn't took
2: his arm he'd have been alright
3: no no I I know but he's talking about the mechanism of people in that jackal position Yeah, Mm. loosely and I've kind of piggybacked it we saw Ben Curry the week before snapped his hamstring he's going to miss the World Cup and we've gone through the archives on this around the jackal area people are putting videos and putting clips and we're going to talk about the breakdown now if you take out That What are you losing? Yes, you're losing a compete at the breakdown with that mechanism, with the jackal itself. Do I want to see that? No, because I'm a rugby purist and I loved that part of the game and counter-ruck into the cow sheds and back and being in that position. Are you taking the super strength out of the game of some of the best players of the game, the likes of Richard Mishcourt, even though he's retired, but you know where I'm going. Josh van der Fleer, Lavani Bottier, just to name two from the weekend, Jack Willis, Rory Dodge, Hamish Watson, a load of players that we could go through in that position. I'm talking about injury. I'm talking about some of the contacts that you're seeing around the head. Like you talk about collisions around the head. When you're in a breakdown, there's so many that happen in there that you Mm. don't see because there isn't one-on-one or two-on-one in the tackle. We need to look at the breakdown and what we could do with that. Gregor Townsend mentioned it on here. One of the greatest coaches in the world at the minute, top five. Big shout out, Gregor. That's why I'm saying it, because that at the weekend, it's becoming an issue now. Because in order to get rid of people in them positions, you have to be violent. You have to be aggressive. You have to run in with speed. And let's be honest, and you might not have been there. I've been there a few times in and around that breakdown. I know mates who coach, coach it. You have to be... Pretty reckless at times as well to clean bodies out. Yeah. And that's the point in all this.
2: I understand. It's the biggest area of the game. There's more breakdowns than anything else in the game. Yeah. And so if you take out the breakdown or the tackle or whatever, you're changing the game immeasurably and it won't be recognisable to what people love for. Now, I want to bring something into it, Jim. And I've had a listen of The Big Jim Show. And what did Martin I say?
3: He said that that was one of the... A,
2: one of the most turn, turning on points. People get a bit of blood in it when there's a breakdown, apparently. is in a <laughs> roundabout way. Um, well, Who are these people? Well, they put heart rate monitors on, didn't Super they? Super fans. Super fans. They put heart rate monitors on people and the spike in when you've seen a turnover, you've seen a jackal, you've seen that sort of thing. It's what people want to see. So I, I, I completely agree with you what you're saying around the injuries and how it is at the minute. I I can't see how you can get rid of the breakdown how you can get rid of the jackal because it's such an integral part of the game. It's such a an acute skill that has su- massive impacts on your team's performance. So, you're basically taking the super skill off a lot of players if you get rid of it. So, Tommy Raphael, one of the best in the Premiership at it now. You saw Lavani Bottia. Lavani Bottia's got a lot of amazing stuff to his game as well, but mm. there's some players that are just jackal kings, right? You could end their careers. Or they could end their careers in a, in a breakdown or not having a breakdown because they might not get a job again, Jim. Do you know what I mean? But, but it's the biggest part of the game. So, yes, something needs looking at, but the players are getting bigger and bigger, and so naturally you're going to have to get more and more violent to clear them off the ball sometimes, or you have to play at a pace that Leinster played at in that first twelve minutes, where you can't even jackal because you're so accurate with everything going on that the speed of ball is so quick. So I don't know the answer yet. I haven't thought about it. I haven't thought about a lot over the last twenty four hours because I'm getting over a long weekend, but. I I can understand your point, James, and I do agree with you that of the dangers, but I cannot see how we can get rid of it because it is so integral to the game and people...
3: You can counter-rook.
2: So you're you're just saying, in terms of the jackal, you're not allowed to put your hands on the ball. So what's going to stop people flying in from 20 yards counter-rooking? What's the difference to smashing a jackal? It's the same thing.
3: But I'm looking at it, again, without going to too much depth, but I could go into depth. I could clip up a load of stuff from the weekend and look at some of the close head collisions or the head collisions and we could do that every single week which people do
2: yeah the big point on it is the Leinster fans are raging that Al-Ala has been sent off for that George Henry Colom has stayed down now I'm not saying this happened I can categorically tell you players are coached now to stay down if they think they've been hit on the head tell you that without a shadow of a doubt
3: well that's what happens in football
2: yeah right and so we're going more and more professional more and more you know trying to find the one percenters of whatever desperate but yeah, and there's no way the referee or the TMO saw that without George Henry Colomb staying on the floor for as long as he did and them having to stop the game and all that stuff. And I'm not saying anything about he faked it. I mean, he was up in the celebrations three minutes later, but hey, I'm not saying that because he got stretched off and that's generally what I'm saying. But what I am saying is there'd have been loads of instances of that sort of clear out in the game. And going back to the referee, Yakko Piper, I agree with Jim's sentiment on... But he tweeted, thought he was all right, but he was all right because he was letting a war go on at the breakdown for both teams. It wasn't like the week before where you know a different referee was refereeing it one way and letting one team get away with murder but not another sort of thing. But Yako Piper is a South African. South Africans have entered breakdowns in history and that's where he's refereed a lot of his ruggers over time in a way that no other nation in the world enters breakdowns, like Exocet missiles. You should have heard that in the stadium, the clear outs and the noise and the excitement off the back of them. So while I completely understand, and Leinster fans are raging because they picked out that one, but once it's been picked out in that way, you can't look away from the fact that that's a red card.
3: And, and that is the thing in this, Andrew, like you are right. And me and you, I love the breakdown. I love the physicality. I love everything in there, but I just want, I need to make another point on it because friend of the show, Dan Levy, his career ultimately was ended having been in that
2: position. I'll be with him at the weekend.
3: Good lad, loose. Oh Good what lad. But as in, we could go through the archives of great players that have picked up horrible, horrible, yeah. not just career threatening injuries, as in needing new knees, hamstrings off the bone, horrible injuries in that position. So everything else is geared towards player safety and longevity. And all these things, yeah. I think that is the most dangerous position to be yeah. on a rugby pitch. And again, go back. I love it. I love the jackal. I love seeing that. The warriors, the people that can compete in there. But I'm just saying I don't know how that's sustainable. And from a refereeing point of view, how you referee that, like Paul Yacko Paper, and people be like, Well, what do you mean poor Yacko Piper? He, you let it go. Just let it go. He
2: he just did he had an open policy, didn't he, where it was like, anything goes unless it's the most blatant thing you've ever seen in your life. Anything borderline, he was letting go. Side entries into rocks, side entries into malls. Leinster had their hands on the floor crawling through and lying on the ball just as much as La Rochelle did. And you could pick out, I could go through that game. GMO Andy, if he wasn't 55 pints deep at the weekend, could have gone through that and picked out a million where you could you could find a penalty at every breakdown. But people that said Jaco Piper had a bad game, I actually thought, and this might be controversial, Oh, I actually thought Leinster got the rub of the green sometimes. Mm,
0: especially early on.
2: And then Leinster, very cute, very clever, put Sean O'Brien the bouncer on the referee's door so Rod couldn't get in at half-time, which caused a bit of a melee. Is it way up, man?
3: More onto that, I wasn't aware, only reading the reports this morning, was that the game last season, a similar thing happened, didn't it? So
2: Apparently Rod got stuck into way now at half-time. Yeah, we're at the top, top echelons of European... and. Champions Cup rugby, where... Inches. Yeah, there you go. It was millimetres at that level. And Jeez. so, you know, Leinster had forethought that, you know, we might need someone just to... Man the door. Yeah, man the door for the referee <laughs> that's a neutral. <laughs> uh, and then this is all conjecture until the whole report comes out, but apparently Shawnee O'Brien, a great bloke, was stood on the by the door so that any of the La Rochelle players or Rog couldn't get anywhere near yako Piper. While he's in his changing room at half time. A player should never go near it, but you should be able to have a conversation. The captain should at something. But yeah, I mean Great drama. Yeah. Oh Andy wrote, it's bloody great drama. Basically, I think what it boiled down to is Rog and Johnny, they had beef from years ago and they had they had a scrap in the at the half time. <laughs> and they're all still angry. They're just angry.
3: It's not over. It is now. It is now. So, yeah, so yeah. what
0: happened after the game?
2: After the game, emotions are bloody high, right? And I had a beer with Jaco Piper Saturday night as well. Good bloke. Oh, I'm sure he is. Yeah.
3: How was he? Like, was he was he comfortable being out or not? Or did he feel uncomfortable? Was there any... He was
2: with all his mates. So all the refs were out. Are they all South African or not? No, no. I think he was the only South African there, to be fair. Yeah, if he was surrounded by his mates from South Africa, No, he was surrounded right. by all his referee mates. So, you know, Tony Spreadby was there and... So if he kicks off, is looking after him. Spreader's a scrappy. He was ready for a scrap. If it all <laughs> I, I'll, get, I'll get you, Goody, for coming after my referees. <laughs> no, then there was Andy Brace. There was the best teeth in town. Turkey teeth AKA Craig Evans, Whitehouse, Benny Whitehouse, Andy Brace. I was getting maximum daggers from Carl Dixon, but I I couldn't really see because there was a lot of people in there. I spoke to him and he said, you know what, Goody, I've refed in a lot of games across the world and he has super rugby. Historically, he's a super rugby referee, right? And an international referee. He said never in his life has he felt an intense environment like that at the weekend. And you could feel it in the stadium with every decision it's shown on the big screen and... There's a massive amount of Leinster fans. And you know. then there's, I remember in the first half, Kerbalo gets absolutely smoked late by Robbie Henshaw, I think it was, stayed down. Were they showing the replays? Of- no, they didn't show that one. <laughs> I don't know why they didn't show that one. But
0: they didn't tend to show a lot of replays of those sort of situations I think it was in because, this game.
2: Yeah, I think it was because of the intensity and the feeling in the stadium about how much it was on a knife edge. And so if they'd have shown a couple of things, the place would have erupted. And they did show the al one and then... He ain't got an argument with that, have you? So uh, he said it was, you know, the most intense. And that's the beauty, and we go back to it. I said it earlier in the season when people were questioning the Champions Cup and the format, and the format is changing. But, you know, everyone's like, oh, I don't know how you're going to qualify or who qualifies or how can you qualify winning one game. You get to the knockouts, and it is the best competition. And that's that's what that sort of tribal rivalry and feeling brings to a stadium in a final and there's no clashes between fans. There was actually more of Leinster and LaRochelle fans singing together and having a good time. But when it's on, it's a war. The noise in the stadium, whether it was something going against Leinster and the booze or something going against La Rochelle and them trying to boo, it was amazing. And what rugby's all about. Yeah. So good.
0: Let's talk about O'Gara. Go at. Speech after the game.
2: Just everything. He got voted as the Champions Cup player of the decade. If there's anyone that's had a bigger impact on this tournament as an individual, as a player, as a person, and now as a coach, I'd like to know who it is because, and he's my mate, he gives me a hug before every Champions Cup final. <laughs> Hold on, maybe not before. He just gives me a hug on Champions Cup final day, whether it's before or after. Maybe I'm La Rochelle's good luck charm. I've had a night out and La Rochelle is good mm-hmm. as well. What about the scenes? We'll get onto that in a bit. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you can speak highly enough of Rog. You look at his him as a player and his career. But then what he did is he took himself off to anywhere and everywhere in the world. The easy thing for him, we've seen a lot of people do it. We've got friends that have done it. You finish your career. I mentioned it earlier. Sergio Parisse is retiring from too long going straight into the coaching team. Right? Roger's done the complete opposite of that. He could have walked into a job at Munster. But no, he took himself off to wrestling 92. Then he went and learnt from the best, who I consider the best in Razor, and spent years being super successful and learning super rugby which again is very different to club rugby over here, even though everyone's like, well, oh, it's it's just provincial stuff. It's like what we've got here. It's thought of and looked at very differently. And then he's gone to La Rochelle and created this family, this environment, this project that has got a town behind them like no other place I've ever seen, I don't think, in rugby. You name me a town or a city or a team that has that same support. Look at the port. During the game, 4 a.m. in the morning, they've flown home, landed, and they're all still out. I mean, 4 was early for me to go to bed, to be honest, but they're all still out waiting for their heroes to come home. What The project that they've created there and where Lara have come from, I haven't seen anything like that in my life, and roger has been a monumental part of that. Um, he has... Uh, I, you'd love to play for him. I, I'm sure you would. Every detail that he brings, but the passion... And the thought that goes into everything, you can see it, how he thinks about things. And, you know, he takes his time when he talks, he goes deep, but then he'll pull out a joke or something. The balance on the bloke is just phenomenal. That's why he's the GOAT of European Champions Cup rugby over the years. When it was Europe, now it's the Heineken Champions Cup. South African teams are in it. He's had the greatest impact on the competition. I cannot speak highly enough about the bloke. And he gives me hugs, so I love him.
0: Well, Jim... Not the ending we were looking for from Glasgow.
3: Yeah, not bothered about that comp, so it's James. easy just to
2: skim past. I'm not I'm not bothered. The Challenge Cup <laughs> final, Toulon finally won it. Oh. Do you want to dissect it with your open cloth, Jim? Oh,
3: I, I don't think we need to dissect it, really, because it was all about Toulon. The yeah. f- frustration for me was that Glasgow didn't fire it. I've not seen them play that badly all year. And they made some basic errors as well, didn't they? Even simple stuff, like the Sioni Tupolotu, Hugh Jones access, Sioni put in hew into holes and the ball's just behind or the drop pass, the accuracy around some of their plays. And you've got to remember, Glasgow have not been in this position. Yes, they have back in the day. Was it the Pro 10 or Pro 12 or Pro whatever it was, Pro 3 or 4 or 5? Years ago, they won it. So they've been in it. But none of these players have been involved in it. too long. as we know, you look through that team, you've got World Cup winners, you've got Ehi West who won and played in the Champions Cup final last year, who comes on early for Dan Bigger. You look at the talent in their team, from internationals all the way to winners, and actually, I had Glasgow to win the game, actually tweeting before the game, Glasgow by nine, and then retracted statement. I I know. I thought, well, I've got to try and make a joke out of it. But Glasgow have been brilliant this season, and they've overperformed under Franco Smith with the changes that they've had. I've got to say, I was disappointed, because you look at the intensity of the game on... Saturday, and I know it was the Champions Cup, it was the ultimate of the ultimate, like that was still a final, and it never looked like Glasgow were going to challenge too long after the first 10, 15 minutes. They were just completely dominant on the front foot, loads of errors from Glasgow early on, and you're like, what? really? Really? But you know what? The whole thing around a learning curve, Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like that's all you can take from it, and they've got to build on that. Again, they've overachieved this season. Did they see themselves being in the Challenge Cup? final i don't think many teams did when you look at how you can find your way into that tournament now but yeah i mean there's nothing more to say from a glasgow point of view i thought toulon were brilliant great to see and colby baptiste saran carving up yeah absolutely carving up i know he went off but he looked great ehiya west awesome
2: when he came on Vastero with the, the old boot through as well my mate basta how is bastaro
3: well you look at the quality that they've got really yeah again charles olivon French captain. I think that's
2: Pastor done. By the way, now he's lifted the trophy. They let him lift the trophy. He looked small, actually. He did. He, Mate, looked, he put it, me yeah, to yeah, shame. Could, not no,
3: that was maybe it. Was, maybe it's because he was stood <laughs> next to you. I'm not too sure. Uh, fair play to Toulon. It was a lit, look, I've got to be honest when I say this. I don't know what the celebrations were like Friday, but for me, we're talking about the Galacticos. I know they're in a rebuilding phase. It was a bit weird seeing them lift the Challenge Cup. If I'm honest. But
2: in their defence, it's you talk about monkey off your back. They'd lost that final twice, if not three times, I think, mm. previously. So it's another cup. Yeah, last year they were big favourites in Marseille and lost to Lyon. But I'm just so I was so chuffed for Peruse. He's lifted the trophy. He scored a try in the final. I thought he played really well. And I still looked at him on the night out. I'm like, out. Oh, he's nearly forty. Looks about twenty-five. He can still go. I'm telling you, he can still go. Him, Baster, Colby, Levu. and it was a monster fest, wasn't it? Again, you talk about it's, size wins in this game, doesn't it? We talked about big Willie Little with Skelton earlier and how big he is and how monstrous he was. Well, some of the Toulon boys, it was very similar against a Glasgow team that I just didn't think they kicked it enough. Like they didn't try and turn them enough, played a lot of ball, made a lot of errors and the better team won and size won the day. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian
1: software like Jira, Confluence and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, dot com Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24 7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions all apply. See website for details.
0: Let's shift our focus forward now, and we'll start with the premiership final, the two best teams. From the regular season, going head-to-head, how's this playing out?
2: I don't know. I'll have to watch it on record. I've got a tough Saturday. I've got a great Saturday, actually. I'm going to Wembley for the 100 million quid game. Championship player final between Coventry City and Luton. Taking the old man in hospitality, because I'm not a real fan. Because the only way my dad can go if he comes in hospitality, because he's got his mobility scooters. I'm looking forward to taking the old boy out. But kick-off is... Just after or just around about the same time as the Prem Finals going on?
3: I was going to come. Yeah. Goody did invite me into the comfortable box.
2: You're taking JJ, aren't you, down to Twickenham to watch Sale winning?
3: Yeah, Yeah, we've got a lads weekend away. And I would be keen. I was thinking, could I make it? No, I can't. The way that the timings work. But yeah, I'm going to go down and... Spend some time with some old friends. Are you going to put your Saracens shirt on? No, but JJ will. <laughs> Good man. <laughs> number four, Daddy. No, that's number four. As in, like I'm his daddy, not Marrow or anyone else who wears number four at the weekend for Saracens. <laughs> just for reference. Yeah, look, it's going to be class. Yeah, you've got one and two in the Prem. It's been an absolute slog and drama fest to get to this point. We might do a review of the season. It's been carnage. It's been absolutely crazy. But we look forward to the energy, which is going to be the best two teams. The side story of Alex Sanderson up against the Wolfpack. That he created. He's a large part of what we see with Saracens, what we've seen. All the good that was in Saracens, that is in Saracens, is got DNA of Alex Anderson. Love the bloke. They've got a brilliant team. George Ford at 10. The South African influence. We are going over old ground Say here. your
2: favourite word, Jim. Come on, say it. Narrative. Nope. and Unplayable physicality
3: sale are physical i just don't know whether they've got enough and i say this with george ford being at 10 and that is the story isn't it the george ford versus owen farrell two good friends and the physical attributes that sale have got against that with saracens but i just feel that they've got different layers to their games now for anyone who's seen them play at some parts of the season they've been brilliant to watch owen farrell's evolved his game ridiculously they don't look the team of years gone by with a strength in depth. Well, no doubt, because
2: Big Jim's not there.
3: Yeah, I know, I know. 2006, Sale won it, played in that game, scored a try, picking goo. Julian White carried me over the line. It's a one-off game. I don't think it's going to be comfortable. Could we see a big moment in the game that is a red card either way? We are
2: going to see that because of the physicality and violence that both teams play with. Now, I mean, violence, controlled, proper violence, but Sale live on the edge of it, don't they? Discipline has been an issue for them, and they'll be going after Saracens. I just hope that the Sale team, and you always look at the energy, right? And Saracens took a little bit of time to rebound from their defeat to La Rochelle. And that was, by the way, the semi-final when they monstered Saints. And they were looked a million dollars again, didn't they? Sale, that game against Leicester, they had a load of bumps and bruises from it. And you just hope that they've had enough recovery Got enough juice back in the legs to feel they're at full tilt to go and face what is historically, you know, the most physical team or one of the most physical teams in the Premiership, and it's going to be a great war. As Jim mentioned all all those different sideshow bobs around the narratives, etc. George Ford against Faz is the big one for me. It's going to be how much do you reckon they message and stuff? You know, like your mates. I don't think there's much crack. Do you, do, you yeah, not no, no. do you reckon they you reckon they go for beers or not? Or uh, well, I not, not that, that How means much did quite, you train today? Seven I, hours. I, I did seven and a half. <laughs>
3: I don't think they're sending them funny videos where things happen. You know, you press the button, it opens up, and then it goes. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh. I don't know if that's doing the rounds. What you're saying is they're more mature than we are, James. Yes, they are. They are more mature, but just as well when you look at Sale and we have not even mentioned him at the minute. Manu Tuilangi. Yeah, he was on
2: fire. Against Leicester, best I've seen him play. Half an inch away from getting sent off with a lot of tackles. There. <laughs> you talk about big things, and he's going to go and go hard. Who are you calling it, Jim? Who? Do you... So you love Alex Anderson and Saracens built your houses. Hmm.
3: I don't know. It's not like last year. I've got the, my only association to Sale is Alex Anderson, so I'm going as a Saracens fan. Yeah. But if Sale won it, I would be very happy for Alex Anderson. Yeah. But. I don't see that happening. Yeah, It's been the craziest of craziest seasons, and it could happen. Give me your score predictions. I'm going to go Saracens. I don't know by what. It depends on the weather at the weekend.
2: Weather's well, going to be good. Sunny. It's going to be sunny, James. Is it?
3: Okay. Saracens score a lot of tries. I'm going to go 32 points to 25.
2: Well, Jim's gone Sarri, so I tend to agree with him. But just for the crack, I'm going to go Sale. By how many? Um, three. I'd love Sale to win it purely because we've had Simon Orange on here. The club story is, it's been through some tough times. It's bounced back. Al Sanderson, you can't not like the bloke.
3: It needs it, doesn't it? Sale needs this. We need a
2: winner in the North again. Everyone's talking about Northern Rugby and, you know, the big issues around it. Even Steve Diamond came out and said, no one likes Northern Rugby. No no one respects it. No players on shortlist for player of year or awards given out or whatever it was. But Mark Quato is a mate of mine who's involved at the club as well. So I'd love Sale to win it, whether they do or not.
3: Everyone wants Sale. Go for it, Goody. Go on. Sale. Come on, Sale. I don't mind that.
0: And then it's also the Barbarians versus a World 15 at Twickenham the day after the Premiership final. One man who'll be getting his first taste of Barbar's experience is Newcastle and England winger Adam Radwan. How are you, mate?
4: I'm good, thanks. Good, thanks. Yeah, how are you?
3: Very good. Mate, it's class to have you on. You are about to embark on many players' bucket lists of playing for the Barbarians. How excited are you? I'm looking at some of the names. Quay Cooper, I saw his Instagram. He's on a flight on the way over. Francois Hugar's just finishing up playing at the casino with Colin McGregor. <laughs> but the list is endless. How excited are you?
4: Yeah, I mean, really excited. I think it's, like you say, is something that all players really want to do. And I think, you know, I feel incredibly lucky to be doing it, especially with the, the guys that are in, in the squad as well. I'm uh, I'm buzzing, to be honest.
2: Yeah, mate, it's going to be phenomenal. Have you got your drinking boots on? Because we know the bar bars like a few nights out. And how are you handling your beer? I'm very tender at the minute after being in Dublin for two days. Tell me, you're going to drink for me all week.
4: When our season finished, we had like an end-of-season social as a club. Well, just as players. And we we went to Barcelona for four days, which was pretty big. Since then, I've been in Mexico for a week, which was the opposite. It was very chilled, relaxing, so... I'd say I'm ready for a couple of drinks
3: again. I don't know. He was pausing, (laughs) slightly nervous. He was uh, kind of... I am
4: nervous. I don't really know... What to expect. So I would say, yeah, I am pretty nervous. I, I have no idea what to expect. I'm basically packing for all occasions
2: and, and anything. Expect the unexpected. That's the Barbarian's
3: yeah. way. Also, here's some advice. Do what you do when you get the rugby ball down. Put your camel toe down and just move forward quickly. That's what you have to do. So you literally <laughs> just put your foot down and go. Just one thing I wanted to ask you, Radders. The Barbarians, it's an old-fashioned tradition in rugby. Me and Goody spoke about it before. I've played on a few tours. Absolutely love it. As a young man coming through, is it still a thing?
4: Yeah, definitely. I think because when I was younger, obviously watching the Barbarians games years ago, it's, you know, you see the what it is, you hear the stories and it's something that you always think, oh God, like I would love to be involved in that. I would love to do something like that. So it's I would still say that it is like a massive thing and people still want to do it. I, I'm so excited. When I got the message, I was... I was buzzing.
2: And how did you find out?
4: I was actually in a taxi in Mexico and just got a WhatsApp message. One of the organisers basically asking me if this was something I'd be keen to do. So I bit his hand off straight away. Hell yeah, what a call that is, on holiday. Yeah, it was a little bit stressful because I was meant to be having like a small surgery done this week. So I basically had to ring Newcastle and be like, can you move my surgery another week? Please. Yeah. And they were were dead keen. They were like, yeah, definitely. They really wanted me to do it. They thought it'd be a great opportunity. So that's all sorted. So it was kind of a stressful couple of hours moving that. But once it was moved, I I was well excited.
3: And do you get a schedule or not? Because again, going back to the olden days in Tbilisi, we walked into the room, there was a bottle of Russian vodka. You can say Russian back then. Russian vodka on the table, a brown envelope and a pair of slippers. That was it. That's all we got. That was the schedule.
4: Yeah, to be honest, I don't really know. I don't know anything yet about what what is going on. I imagine we will get scheduled, but I have no idea what it is yet.
3: But there's a game, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: hope so. <laughs> yeah. uh, worry about that on Saturday night. What time? What time are we meeting tomorrow for the game on Sunday? But on, they're the best weeks ever, aren't they, Jim? You've been involved mm, in them, but they're wicked. you hear all the stories based in London, the nights out, the you know the bonding, the camaraderie. What are you like at that? Have you got back to back days in you? Or, I mean, I have. I'm tender on day three, but I can go back to back.
4: I mean, I would have said no, because I didn't think I did. But then having recently done, like, Barca, we did four days out there, four pretty big days. And, you know, everyone was just enjoying themselves, having fun. And so I think that's probably got me ready for for that side of things. It'll be class. I'm sure that I'll scrape through.
2: And Barcelona, you keep mentioning it. I'm hearing about raspberries and different things in Barcelona. you... Do you want to uh, elaborate on that a little bit?
4: Oh, okay. guess. So, yeah, so Gary Graham was pretty hungover at the time and he was laid in the shade, feeling like pretty sorry for himself, pretty hungover. And I was chatting to him and I was like, Do you want, you want me to get you some fresh raspberries? And he was like, Oh, mate, please. Yeah. It was quite hot. So, his belly was out and I just gave him like a massive raspberry <laughs> on his stomach. <laughs>
3: he said it was more than that he said you are eating out of his belly button that's what he said <laughs>
4: no, no no so that was that and I was just trying to cheer him up because he was like I say he was very hungover and not having a good time so that cheered him up for a little bit
3: look, let's have a look forward to the game so this is the World 15 right so the the whole build up to it is going to be absolutely amazing you look at the team list yeah. as well some of the players that you could potentially be up against Israel Folam controversial as he is one of the greatest athletes rugby's ever seen uh, Cora Betty as well. Anyone else that you're looking forward to coming up against?
4: It'd be tough to pick out one. I mean, like, their team is ridiculous and I think it's just, for me, I'm just so excited to be to be having a go and seeing what I can do against the likes of, of them guys. I would say, you know, Cora Betty's a big one. He's, you know, he's like... He's a machine. He's, he's, the, he's the man. So I'm really excited to be to be going up against all them guys. And I think, I mean, our team is also very, very good. So I'm I'm I'm
2: well excited just to be kind of in and around that environment and having a crack at them, really. And now you mentioned before, and I don't want to put too much pressure on it, but you mentioned you might need a little operation afterwards. Obviously, there's a World Cup coming up. There's a World Cup camps coming up. There's squads that are going to be announced. You scored at trick on your debut for England. You know, you've been tearing it up in the premiership with your mate Carreras on the other wing. We want to see you involved in that England squad. The operation's not going to put you out for too long, is it?
4: It's not. It's and it's a surgery that I've been needing for like it, it's just on my thumb. It's something that I've played with all season. You know, if something was to come up, I could push it back again. It's not it's not an issue. It's not something yeah. I'm just kind of it needs to be done at some point, whether it's now or whether it's in, you know, a few months, that's not really an issue it's not stopping me from playing or anything like that
2: so my next point is obviously the game on sunday do you see hopefully you see this as a bit of a showpiece for yourself to play against worldy players with worldy players of what you could do at international level i know you know the games when you got your your caps were games when other players were on line tours etc cetera, etc cetera, but that's not taking anything away from that is a world cup coming up like this is you have a big game on Sunday and then surely you're hoping to be in the the wider squad to try and earn your place to get all the way to France in September right?
4: I mean ultimately that's exactly what it is it's another opportunity to to put my best foot forward and show what I can do which you know I fully intend on doing I think I also think that you know the environment of the Barbarians that relaxed environment and kind of just enjoying everyone's company is is also really good because I feel like I play definitely play my best rugby when I'm most relaxed and enjoying my rugby so i think when we're training you know i think it'll be a lot of fun i think everyone will be getting to know each other and kind of enjoying each other's company which i think will, will bring out the, hopefully bring out the best in me for the game
3: radders i want to bring the tone down just slightly there we go um, it's the, the, i know i'm sorry i'm sorry but radder's been carving it for newcastle and there's a lot of talk at the minute isn't there london irish looking like they're going to the wall as well we've lost london wasp we've lost Worcester as well. Newcastle is a team in which I've made a few throwaway comments about in terms of them not wanting to invest, losing some of the best players mid-season. You said
2: Raddors should leave. Oh, did I?
3: (laughs) What, did I? Okay. Hey, Raddors, maybe I did say that. Maybe I did say that because that brings me on to my question. As a young man who's got appetite to play for England and is carving up, how difficult or how easy was it to stay at Newcastle? And are the times as a young man, a young athlete, coming into his prime, are they worrying times?
4: It wasn't an easy decision, but you know, I looked around the guys that were at the club and I do think there's there's a massive potential there. We just need obviously we need a little bit of investment. We need to kind of rebuild things and I think that is probably gonna happen this year. Obviously we've got Codders coming in, who's from a completely different environment. Boys are are gonna have to prove themselves. No one's got any, you know, merit coming into the season. Everyone's gonna have to work working pre-season because you know first impressions mean a lot and you know this guy's coming in he's never been involved with with us before and like I say he's, no one's got any merit no one can you know have a chill training session because you know they know they're going to play at the weekend everyone's going to have to fight for their position which I think will be good and back to that we've got loads of like young guys that are slowly coming through the RGs two of them aren't very young at all Two of them are, are ancient, but also class. And then Mateo is also really young and and also class. And then we got like Jamie Blumeyer, Callum Chick, Brett Connor Guy Peppers coming through. Freddie Lockwood, Ben Stevenson. There's loads of young guys coming through, which I think can play a massive part in the in the club progressing. And I kind of I genuinely believe that we will we will move forward. That's and that was ultimately why I decided to stay.
2: Have you had many chats with Steve Bothwick since? He's taken over since the Six Nations. Has he given you things to work on? If he has chatted to you,
4: haven't really had much chat um, with Steve. I think I've had a little bit from the S and C department. One of them was up at the club not too long ago and passed on a few messages from from the boss.
2: What was it? Was it get quicker? Because that's not possible, is it?
4: Uh, no, it's something I, I definitely want to do. Get quicker. Yeah, I mean, I would like to.
2: I couldn't catch you in my car, pal. I don't
4: know. <laughs> I would say I'm quite self aware of what. What I need to work on, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, and it's something that I'm confident that it will come, whether it's now or or when. But I'm pretty confident that it will come at some point.
0: What other things do you think you need to work on?
4: Oh, I would say I'm still quite a raw player. Mass, sp- I would say. I'm more of an athlete than I am a rugby player, which I don't necessarily think is a terrible thing. Not everyone's gonna be like super skillful. But I would say just stuff like that, like aerial work, you know, aerial stuff is such a massive part of the game now, especially as a back three player. That can never be too good. And I think like look at Freddie Stewart, he's obviously come come into the premiership was unbelievable in the premiership and in my opinion is is probably the best in the world in the air. And, you know, coming up against guys like that and then every, you know, South Africa's back three are all world class in the air. So I think that's that's such a big part of the game. So I think it doesn't really matter how good your other stuff is. You know, you have to, there's certain things you have to be be good enough at. And there's certain things that you can't necessarily be ever be good enough at. You can never be too good in the air. You can never be too good at that stuff. So it's just working on that. Um, there is quite a bit, but that, that's a big one for me. I want, want that to be to be a bigger part of my game.
2: Yeah, one of the comparisons that perhaps, I don't know whether you've heard this or we've said it or other people have said it, is a little bit of yourself and Johnny May for the way you mentioned then you're an athlete. You get the ball and like the funky chicken comes out for Johnny May and no one knows where he's going, what he's doing, but he always makes yards. When you pick up the ball, are you running as fast as you can and hope that something opens up or are you strategically thinking about what you're doing? Because sometimes your feet are crazy. It looks like things just happen instinctively Whereas you see some people, they're thinking about how to step, when to step. Yours is all bang in a moment's notice. Have you got the funky chicken in you? That's all I need to know.
4: Yeah, uh, I would say yeah. I think it is instinctive. I just don't. <laughs> I think I'm at my best when I don't think. When I yeah. when I just do, and that's why I'm really excited to be to be with the bar bars, because I think I'll hopefully that's the thing. You just enjoy, relax, and then oh, I don't have to think too much. Hopefully, I'll just do what I what I can.
3: And on that as well, you don't need to worry about what's in the air this week. You need to worry about what's in the bar, effectively. So it's just a different mindset. So enjoy it, mate. It should be a class week. Say hello to Eddie Jones. He's a big fan of the show as well. I will do. <laughs> All right, Thank you very much for coming
0: on the show, Adam, and Bits of luck this weekend, mate.
4: No, nah, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it, guys. Cheers, mate. Cheers,
2: rados. Good man. Good luck this week. Top, top, top lad. Yeah, he is. I, mean, I love that. In for a hell of a week. It's like a pre-season going to Barcelona for four days. That's the pre-season for... The bar bar's weak because it's a lot heavier than that. But he's he's honest there, isn't he? I'm at my best when I don't think. I wish I couldn't think about anything as well sometimes. Too many thoughts go through my head. But yeah, what a legend. Obviously, he is an outstanding athlete. Speed to burn. I can't believe he thinks he can get quicker.
3: Imagine everyone else. I know. Some unbelievable players on show for both of them. And that's, that's, I suppose, the good thing with rugby and the Barbarians, that there was talk with the old school traditions that... It didn't have a place in rugby. It's actually evolving
2: now with the Barbarians and the World 15. It's brilliant. I can't wait to watch it on Sunday. It'll be absolutely phenomenal. The names on show, as you just said, Jim, wall-to-wall worldies.
0: Talking about the players, you've got Korobidi, Lamapi, Lamaro, and our mate Adam Hastings. And tickets are only 25 quid for adults and 15 quid for kids at ticketmaster.co.uk forward slash barbarians. It's the Barbarians against the World 15 at Twickenham for the Kill It Cup this Sunday. Let's take a look at the URC final now then. Munster. Whoa. Surely they can't go and do this again in the final, away from home, after what they've been doing in the last few weeks.
2: I don't know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. I saw loads of Munster fans at the game. I was like, lads, you're a week late. The semi-final was last week. Uh, banter. They said, yeah, but we're going to South Africa. I think they're going to take loads of fans out to South Africa. It's a sellout, first and foremost, so... Amazing to see that, the Cape Town Stadium, the DHL Cape Town Stadium.
3: Just on Munster, fully loaded. Just seeing the news today, that Conor Murray, R. G. Snyman, Calvin Nash and Malachi, Fekato and my old selfie, that they're going to be back and Ben Healy and Jean Klein, who's a brilliant player for them as well. So it looks like Munster going in fully loaded. I don't imagine they're going in on a two-day pre-travel.
2: They're probably there now. Well, I met the uh, the chief of Munster in the DHL box. The players are all going to business, I think, to make sure that they're, they give themselves the best opportunity to go and win it. You have to. Yeah. You know, they're going out in plenty of time as well. You just hope that they're acclimatised and they give the best of themselves because the Munster way is showing fight and dog and underdog spirit, isn't it? You know, from years gone by, Peter O'Mahony, that sort of thing, where no one gave him a chance to beat Leinster did there a few weeks ago. And then you saw the teams and then it took a late drop goal. The belief that they've got, I watched them from the studio when they played the Sharks on that very first game. It was the last 16 game of the Champions Cup and they hadn't acclimatised to the heat. But then they go to the Stormers, I think it was two weeks later, dust up them, have a really good tour there. And then, you know, they've been unbeaten since then, haven't they really? So they can, if any team can do it now with the belief they've got, it's definitely Munster. It's just hard to look past the Stormers on their own home ground. Although they've got errors in the Stormers. They've got some unbelievable quality. Marnie Lebock been being voted fans player of the year in the URC. Yeah, I mean, what time's that kickoff, Jim?
3: Greenwich Mean Time is a half five kickoff.
2: Oh, it's during the oh. football. It's During the footy. And I always
3: try and look at the weather, but what is the point? If you ever look at the weather, it's the complete opposite. So it says that it is going to be Cloudy with a sun and a rain. That's what it says on the app. What does that even mean? There's a rainbow, Jim. Well, it's a ra- hey, it's going to be a rainbow, which it used to be called. Maybe the irony is in that. Who knows? Maybe this joined up life that we have come accustomed to, the Rainbow Cup. But yeah, i if you're asking me what I think, I think that this is a better game for Munster than a Munster-Leinster final. We saw Munster, how they played against Leinster. We called it one of the best club games we've seen in terms of physicality. They're now going to be fully loaded. I'm second-guessing myself because of John Dobson. I really am because I love the bloke. But I think Munster win this. I think momentum is everything. And it just feels like with what we've seen, the performances we've seen, they beat the Stormers in Cape Town a few games ago. I think I think Munster win it.
2: Here we go. Graeme O'Roundtree crowned as Graeme O'Rountree. You'll have to get a decent crown to get around those ears, mind. But yes, Jim, you're going Munster. I'm going Munster.
3: I don't know the score. Depends on the weather. Quite uh, comfortable. I I can't say comfortable. It's not fair. It's against the champions. Munster's going to pump them. I'm going Stormers
2: by seven. Right, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. There's a bit of a Welsh theme to start off with and we're going to start off with Alan jones and Justin Tipperick who've just announced their retirement from international rugby. In terms of their careers, two absolutely unbelievable careers. Obviously, Alan jones Record cap maker, captain, hero, Jim's nemesis, Grand Slam winner, and Justin Tipperick as well, equally, not equally, because Alamon Jones is basically the legend of Wales rugby, but Tips has had an amazing career as well. So they don't win it, but they get mentioned in the good for their careers in international rugby. Uh, sticking with the theme in Wales, I'm going to give Craig Evans and his teeth a shout out. The whitest set of teeth you've ever seen, and the biggest set of teeth you've ever seen on a referee. And. To Ben Whitehouse, proper good lads on the beers. I enjoyed my time with you gentlemen, and they listened to the podcast. So uh, shout out to Craig Evans' teeth. Not necessarily Craig Evans, no, Craig Evans and his teeth, and Ben Whitehouse, so good lads. Um, That leads me on to Toulon, finally winning the Challenge Cup. They get a shout out in the good, of course they do. The power and finishing and experience, the likes of Sergio Pariso, Basta, all the boys down in Toulon, I loved having a drink with you. I'm friends with Matthew Bastero now, so that's why you get a mention. And Sergio, with his Italy flag, I think that was a little message, you know, to Kieran Crowley. He's got it round his waist, not because he's Italian. He's like, I can still play to the World Cup, please. Outstanding to see Sergio rock up, looking a million dollars, playing like a million dollars, a million euros, because it's too long, but, and scoring a try as well and getting his hands on the trophy. So well done to the Toulon boys. And we're just going to mention three things. We're going straight to everything about La Rochelle. Gregory Aldry gets a shout out for winning the EPCR Player of the Year. I voted for, so you're welcome, Gregory. But what a player he's been as a captain, as a leader. Phenomenal player all season in the Heineken Champions Cup. Rog, the goat, the out-and-out goat of European rugby previously, Heineken Champions Cup rugby now. Top point scorer, player of the decade, back-to-back winning coach, an absolute legend of the game. He's done it in Leinster, his old rival's backyard. Every time he came on the screen, the whole stadium that were in blue were booing him. And that was basically two fingers up to everyone. He was phenomenal. He didn't celebrate it too hard. He's just like, this is me, guys. He gave me a hug pre-match as well. So Rog gets a massive mention the good, And obviously his La Rochelle team and him and Gregory Aldry are going to take the good this week. Incredible performance. A bounce back from 17-0 down, then 23-7 down to be back-to-back champions and win it in the man they did. The size, the power, big Willie Little Willie Skelton, big weenie Antonio, big Lavani Bottia. Carry on, loads of them. Suteni, they were all outstanding. My favourite player, or one of my favourite players now, is Hastoy at 10 as well. Good looking, cool as you like. Slotted his kicks, he was brilliant. So, La Rochelle and everything, Rog, Aldridge, all of you, your fans as well. The scenes, everything to do with that rugby club at the minute. And I sat two seats away from their president who was devastated for the first 15, 20 minutes and then loving life at the end. La Rochelle, you're going to get the good this week. The bad. A few bits of bad, actually. I'm going to start off with any bloke in Dublin, or woman in Dublin, that came up to me with a pint of Guinness or a Heineken and said, let's have a chop-off, because I feel horrendous today. And I did a lot of chop-offs. I will not be doing that again. But thank you as well for a lot of alcohol that you gave me. It was a lovely weekend, but when you're coming at me after you've had one pint and I've had 15 and you're looking for a chop-off, and I still beat you, have a word with yourselves. Anyway... They get a mention of the bad. Glasgow get a mention of the bad. Not really turned up in a final on the big day. Um, they'll be very disappointed with how they performed. Some good bits towards the end. Staines, two tries. But too little, too late. They love to party, though, so we had a few beers afterwards. So good effort from the Glasgow boys, but you get a mention of the bad for not turning up for the final. But the bad this week, Andy Rowe, goes to your mob. What? Yeah, you boys. The New Zealand Sevens. You're a disgrace. We won the champ. You're a cheating bunch of people. What's happened? Well, basically, France have scored a try at the death and Thomas Carroll, the conversion taker mm-hmm. for France, and the Laws in Sevens are weird, right? Because the players don't have to stand at the post. They go back towards the halfway line and there's a shot clock for the conversion to be taken and the New Zealand Sevens boys were a disgrace. They walked very, very slowly in his line, all around him, and so he couldn't take the conversion. Then smart. the hooter goes, smart but cheats, and then very poor refereeing as well, because the ref should have blown his whistle and said time off. Let's get you out the way, give them a rollicking, because it would have gone to extra time. Bad sportsmanship from the New Zealand sevens boys. Bad refereeing for not allowing the conversion to be taken when it wasn't Thomas Carroll's fault, and France could have beaten you in extra time golden point or whatever they call it in the Sevens. so new zealand sevens you're getting the bad for that this week oh dear and the ugly only one place to go for the ugly this weekend we all know it it's uh alan alatoa's tucked arm hit on george henry colombe really bad for him really bad for leinster and luckily george henry colombe was okay two minutes later to after being stretched off to celebrate with the lads so he didn't look too bad so alan alatoa that's why you get the ugly this week Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, we do. I've got a massive shout-out to the South Wales Police, who are the reigning British champions after beating Kent Police last week, 63 points to five, to retain the British Police Cup. So well done to all the South Wales boys in blue. Must have brought some tasers, if they've hammered them by that
3: much. I don't know if you can do that. Tasers in the showers. I've got another shout-out to Alistair Pawsey. He's doing a charity walk in July, aiming to do 10 miles a day throughout the month, which equates to 95 hours of walking. He's doing this to raise money for cancer research for children and young adults. If you'd like to support Alistair on his mega walk, you can find him on the Just Giving Pace by searching Alistair Pawsey. Good luck, buddy.
2: Yeah, good luck. And finally, to Canvey Island, first 15, down in Essex. They won the Essex President's Shield last week even after going down to 14 men after half an hour. So loads of lads playing there in their first season of senior rugby. So a big hand to everyone at Canvey Island. Well done, boys.
0: Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Rob. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby
3: spot. Spotter pod, 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 pod.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.